Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder here at Generations, and with me, as always, is my good friend and the lead pastor at Generations, Jeff Luddington. And you are joining us in the middle of our series on questions from the classroom. Jeff is a uh, not just a pastor, but a teacher at our high school, and he had one year of teaching our seniors, and he collected a ton of questions from those kids. And I've been teaching for 14 years now, and I've been uh, teaching some Bible and some math, and I've collected a lot of questions. And we've been using those questions to do our podcasts. Today, we're going to take a question from a new Bible teacher at Valley. Not a not new to teaching the Bible, but just new to Valley. His name is Corey Blyther. He's actually in my old classroom. I'm not going to dwell on that very long. I'm <laughs> okay with bitter. that. Good guy. No, I'm not. I'm not. It's good with that. But here's, he, got, he took a question from his students. The question was, do spiritual beings have free will? And so when we thought about this, we thought, well, you can think of spiritual beings as angels, demons. Right. You can also think of humans right. as spiritual beings. Uh, so we're going to dive into this, but we thought, you know, before we answer the question, we should really discuss what is free will? What do people mean when they use the term free will? Yeah, let me let me start with a, a story. And so this is right out of real life. And, and uh, one of the reasons we do this series, this Questions from the Classroom series, It's not just content, but what I learned is those students asked questions at 17 years old, 18 years old. And in my experience in the church, they don't seem to ever get great answers. The questions they're asking, I have 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old adults asking the same questions. And so we're trying to tackle some of these things. And so this week, you know, real-life ministry, two, two people in the church, I was going to a meeting on Monday that I had set up, and the guy was running late. So I'm sending out some text messages uh, from the Starbucks where I was meeting him, and I texted somebody else. And uh, the kind of the genesis of both the meeting and this te- the other text message was not seeing people in church recently. So they'd been missing, and I'm saying, hey, how are you? Both told me two different stories of how they were struggling uh, with depression would be the simplest kind of the simplest way to summarize both, right? Both had different stories, but... They were struggling. It was internal struggles, you know, mental, maybe mental health, maybe just kind of positional or situational struggles, but it kind of threw them into a dark place. And so two, three weeks later, as I'm circling back and checking in with people and say, hey, I've missed you, I'm hearing these two stories. And now, if this resonates with you, I mean, we're just coming out of doing an episode last week about, or two weeks ago, excuse me, about suicide. This is a struggle, right? And so if you have these kind of deep struggles, let me ask you this question. Do you feel like all you have to do is freely choose not to feel that way, right? Like, do you sense that you have this freedom to choose to do anything you want to do, feel any way you want to feel, pursue God, not pursue God? I think everybody would say no. If you've ever been in the middle of an addiction, you just can't choose your way out of it. Like, it takes work, right? And so we have burdens, limitations, struggles, on our life that are bigger than us, that we're not just able to freely choose our way out of, and that those are a direct result of living in a fallen, broken world because of sin. And so uh, I would suggest we don't have a free will. We have a will. It's not free. And so let's start there. I don't think we have a free will at all. 
argue with me. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> well, I definitely have some questions for you about that. Um, isn't free will mentioned in the Bible? So that's a great question, and I bet you lots of people are like, he's got him already, and it's only three <laughs> minutes, four minutes in, right? Tap so, out, man. Tap right, out. Right, right? So the word free will is in the Bible 24 times. I know there's a bunch of people jumping up and down right now, but let me blow that up for you. It is only ever written all 24 times as free will offering. The word free will never exists in the Bible apart from giving, an offering, right? And so we're getting ready. A lot of people don't know this yet. In fact, most of our church don't even know this yet, but we're getting ready to do a first for generations and do a giving campaign. Uh, we're going to work on the exterior of our building, like the, the landscaping, the beauty, the entrance, the exit, the driveways, all those kind of things, right? And what free will is mentioned in the Bible, free will offering, it's like that. It's like saying, hey, listen, we're going to do a fundraising campaign you can't stop your normal giving. That's what our budget's based on. But if you, out of your generosity, want to offer a free will offering, you can give to the, to the, to the campaign, right? To the, to the fundraising. That's the only way free will is ever written in the Bible. In fact, we quoted one of those passages on Sunday where, as we opened up the book of Ezra, where it says, they came to the house of the Lord that was in Jerusalem and made free will offerings for the house of God to erect it on its site. Free will is only ever used in the sense of giving over and above what you're already committed to doing. Only ever is Scripture does it use it in that way. All right, so this is a little difficult to hear because I like having free will. Oh, right? that's very I, American. I, I want to be able to make my own choices and not have any restrictions on that. Uh, I'm going to assume that some people who are listening to us right now are saying, wait a minute, Right. I've been taught that I have free will, that humanity has free will, that we can choose. Um, so some people are going to disagree with this. So we're going to, let's slow down a little bit. Let's go, instead of trying to answer these two questions in one episode, let's do it in two. And let's just right. take some time to focus on what free will is and how you got to the idea. Or isn't. Or isn't. Okay. How you got to the idea that free will is not free, right? So right. let's go back and start at the beginning. So Genesis 2, 15 through 17 the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So he gives Adam this command. My question is, did Adam have free will? Did he have the ability to keep this command? Or was God giving him a command that he could never keep? That's a great question. So we're starting now with Adam and God in Genesis before sin. And that's the key point here, right? I said we're bound in this world because of the fallenness of this world and the sin, sins we've committed, but more importantly, sin that's come before us. So I'm not blaming my sin or your sin or the person who's depressed, their sin for their condition. I'm talking about the fallenness of the world, right? And so... God looks at Adam, even before Eve is created, and puts him in the garden and says, hey, do this, don't do that. Like, you can do all these things. You're free to do all these things. Hey, don't do this thing over here. And God didn't give him a command that he couldn't fulfill. He gave him a command he could fulfill. Adam and Eve, in the very next chapter, have the freedom, and this is where I think free will should be talked about. They had the freedom to pursue God and not sin. They also had the freedom to sin. Okay, so they have that. And then in Genesis 3, 6, the very next chapter, when they sin, it says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. 
She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And so here's what they do. They look at it, and they choose to sin. This is going to be the last time that we ever hear about humanity having the options of sin or not sin. Pursue God, choose God, freely be sinless, and or be sinful. Now they choose, and remember it said, on that day, you will surely die. From here on forward, their freedoms are forever altered. Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking of a verse for Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Right. So on that day, you will surely die. They didn't die Correct. physically, but how do we know it's their freedom that died? Right. So another way of looking at this is rather than say their freedom, because remember, this is a very American conversation, right? That you are born with inalienable rights, right? But now, our Constitution, by the way, the Constitution doesn't give us anything. It's a, it's a set of laws, but if somebody comes in and conquers us, if a foreign nation conquers us, they light our Constitution on fire and our freedoms are gone. So what does God give us? What happened to it, right? And, and, it's, and our, our Constitution does point to God giving us those freedoms. But what we're looking at here is on that day, you'll surely die, right? Okay, well, they didn't physically die then. They died spiritually. And with spiritual death came spiritual limitations. I'm going to use an obnoxious example. But we aren't free physically. I can't flap my arms and fly just because I want to. I have physical limitations, right? But I also have spiritual limitations because of sin. On that day when we die, when humanity, we corporate humanity died, it was spiritual death. The freedoms they had spiritually before sin, they no longer had. So Paul writes about it like this. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now fast forward, of course, thousands of years to Paul and the church in Ephesus, who are, is a Christian church. He's talking about their condition apart from Christ before they were Christians. He says, on the, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. So you walked implies physical life. You're here in this world. You're human. But he says, you were spiritually dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. He says, among whom we once all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, this is interesting. He said, you, you lived controlled by the passions of your flesh. You carried out the desires of your body and mind. What he's not talking about is you did what you want to do. He's saying you were spiritually dead and trapped in the sinfulness of your mind, of your body, of the, the things that drove you, almost like animalistic, right? Like you were, your urges, your sin drove you. That's go back to that conversation that I just had uh, with a young man and with a young woman, both different conversations, but similar. They were struggling with things that were just stronger than them. Now they're both Christians, right? And that's different that we're going to talk about that in a minute. But you are bound by some of these things, right? They can't just freely choose, like, hey, I don't want to feel that way anymore, and just say, I'm not going to do that. Just like we can't say, I don't want to ever sin, so I'm never going to sin. Like, if we could do that, we wouldn't need Jesus, right? If we were just going to be born and say, hey, I just don't want to ever sin, then we wouldn't, there wouldn't be a need for Jesus. But as it is, we're born spiritually dead and trapped in sin. So that very same verse of Paul in Ephesians 2 goes on and says this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So grace is this free gift. God saves you freely. When you're spiritually dead, he makes you alive. This is why Jesus said you must be born again, right? You were born of the flesh. Now you need to be born of the spirit. And the same idea, no one chooses to be born in the flesh. Their free will chooses to make themselves a baby, right? That there is boundaries. We don't just get to choose God. We're sinful. We're dead spiritually. So I want, to, I want everybody to hear this. Free will, as we're talking about it right now, the freedom to do spiritual things. Free will is a concept rooted in psychology, not in theology. It's not rooted in scripture. It's rooted in a very Western American psychology. And so we push, like you said earlier, we push our natural inclinations, push back against that because we're free. We get to vote. We get to do this. But that's not true theologically. All right. So you stated that 24 times the word free will comes up, but there are other passages that seem to point to a choice that we have. And I think of a famous one, um, Joshua 24, 15, right. right? And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So it seems like this implies there is a choice right. to be made. Serve God, don't serve God. So Good. how does that go along with what you're saying? Right. So the 24 times that free will is used, it's always free will offering. Okay. So it's talking to people who already worship God, giving them the opportunity to do what they can do or choose to be more generous or whatever. The same thing with Joshua here. So God has liberated the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He has made them. He's covenanted with them on Mount Sinai through Moses, the Ten Commandments, the miracles, the water from a rock, the manna on the ground, the, the birds that would fly in and land there, you know, for them to eat, you know, early Uber Eats, we said, right, earlier. Uh, they have all this. They're already God's people. Now they've moved out of the desert because God has given them land, and they're living in the land of the Amorites, right? And, and, and what Joshua is saying is, listen, choose, are you going to live like the people around you, or are you going to live like God's people? right? He's not saying this to the Amorites that are not God's people. He's saying that to the people that are God's people. Choose this day whom you'll serve. Like in Christ or in God now, as followers of God, you have different choices. You can fight against the sin nature that you've been born with, right? So about eight verses later, he says this to the same people, right? Then put away the foreign God because they're worshiping foreign gods. That's kind of the construct, right? Put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart toward the Lord, the God of Israel. He says, listen, because God has made you his, now you have a choice. Now you don't have a free will. You have more freedom. You have new freedoms you didn't have before. Before you actually had none, you were bound by sin. Now, even though you're still wrestling with sin, you have an opportunity, I would say now as Christians, through the Holy Spirit, right, to follow God. Now you can choose to repent. Now there's more freedom. So in a, in a passage that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3.17, he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right. So this is after coming to the Lord, after receiving the Spirit. We still, at that point, you're saying, don't have perfect freedom, uh-huh. but we have more freedom than we had. Ask any Christian alive today, can you choose to never sin again? What's the answer? No. No. Why? 
because we're bound by sin. We're in this flesh. Now, if anybody could have lived a life that was sinless after coming to faith. Now, no one can live a sinless life, right? In fact, no one can even after sin, but uh, I mean, after salvation. But Paul was a pretty solid character, right? Paul is, before his conversion to Christ, was a Pharisee. They're the rule keepers, right? They're the guys that obey all the laws. Yes, Jesus criticized them heavily because they had corrupt hearts, but they did the right things. They didn't do the wrong things, and they did do some of the right things. And so he, Paul writes about himself saying, listen, man, I obeyed like all the laws, right? But listen to what he says after his conversion. It's in Romans 7. He says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. A couple of verses later, he says, so now, it, now, now in Christ, so now in my salvation, filled with the Holy Spirit, transformed by Jesus, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. That's how we know it's him post-conversion, right? I know that nothing good dwells in me, I mean in my flesh. Not, of course, my spirit that Jesus has given me, but in my flesh. So he says this, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Paul, as one of the like, most solid believers we ever get to read about, says, I still struggle with sin. He doesn't say, I freely choose to never sin again. He says, I still struggle with this. He says, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out, right? We are bound by sin in this world. We all know that, but we like to say we have a free will. Maybe it's because we're American and we vote. Maybe it's because we talk about freedom a lot. But let's just be honest. We don't have ultimate freedom. And that's what free will is, ultimate freedom. In Christ, we have new freedoms. With the Spirit in us, we have new choices, new things we can do, like the choice to repent, but not the choice to never sin again. The same thing apart from Christ, we don't even have that. We're bound to our sin. Yeah, I think I think we'll wrap it up with the idea. I don't, I don't think a lot of us see ourselves as dead in our sins. We like to think we can do something, but that's a pretty helpless state to be in. And a very common phrase used throughout the New Testament, right? You were dead in your sins and trespasses, right? Adam sinned, all sinned. Like we inherit it, not by choice, but by burden, by curse. So I, I like to, I, we'll finish up with 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty two. So Paul also writes this, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Right. And, and I, I think, you know, you think of Lazarus, the story of Lazarus, right. and he obviously could do nothing to change his situation. And then along because comes why? Jesus. He was dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was dead. And then along comes Jesus. And I, I think just looking back at the verses you read earlier from Ephesians, uh, two of my favorite words in the Bible, back to back, were right in there in verse four, but God, mm. right? We are this, we are this, we are this, but God. God. Yeah. And it's just that idea that it seems hopeless. It seems helpless. Um, but that's the gospel. We could not help ourselves, but God. So as a way of looking forward to the next episode, if we understand we have limitations, then we can understand the situation we're in and what to do about it, right? Then we can find the hope, but God, we can understand our circumstances and not worry, okay, wait a minute, because I'm still struggling. Is God mad at me? Did God abandon me? No, no, no. This is sin. It feels hopeless, but God, like you said, but God, there's always the hope because in Christ, there is hope always, right? And so we'll pick that up and we'll pick up that theme in the next episode. 
Right, so we want to thank you for listening, joining us today. We release a new episode every Tuesday. We'd like you to share this, uh, talk about it with your friends, with your kids, like it, subscribe to it. And we pray that God will bless you this week. And we look forward to sharing some time with you next week. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.